Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. People here don't understand that game on the East Coast and in the Mid-Atlantic. They don't understand the game or the emotions of that game or what it feels like. The only time I've ever had frostbite in my life, actual frostbite, I don't mean being cold. The only time I've had frostbite, I thought I might have to get medical attention, was at Lambeau Field. (laughs) Okay? And you know what, Tony? That was walking from the parking lot to the building. Just... With preferred parking, I got frostbite. (laughs) (laughs) This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Sam life that Wilbon and I lead is amazing, and no one should attempt to think that we have any relationship to reality. No one should attempt to think that. The one percenters. Yeah. All right. So let me say that we are going to deal with Damar Hamlin during the course of this show. We're going to have Lenny Bernstein who is a medical writer for the Washington Post on to try and explain the intricacies of what is going on. I say this uh, in full disclosure at 8 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Overnight, there, there were no bulletins issued, to my knowledge, by the hospital, and so I'm not going to attempt to start the show that way. If there was something that I knew that was germane, we would start the show that way. We're going to start the show the way we normally start shows. Um, Nigel is here, Michael is here, Chris is here with us today. I wanted to talk about a few things. First of all, the other day I did, I asked Nigel to look up the last 12 sunrises dating back to December 21st, the shortest day of the year, and the last 12 sunsets. And I now think I under, I don't understand how this is possible, but I accept that it is true that the sunrise continues to get later, not earlier, by a minute or two. And the sunset continues to get later by maybe two or three minutes in this period of time since December 21st. So I can wrap my mind around the notion that December 21st could indeed be the shortest day of the year, which does not mean that from that date on, the sunrise gets later and the sunset gets later, right? Do, do I have the yes, construct yeah, yes. of that? The only thing that you're missing is that we found out that with the sunrise in particular, it was gaining or it was, it was sort of losing that minute, but then it would plateau for two or three days at a time. Right. So it was not necessarily rising. It, the graph was not rising in the same way as the back end of the day. Right. So, but, but for those people like me who came into this thing years ago thinking if it's the shortest day of the year, it improves on both ends right away. It was explained to us that is not true. And we had the proof, right? We had the physical proof. Yes. Like what, what, was, what were the numbers? Uh, let's see. So on the 21st, sunrise was at 723. Sunset was at 449 right before dinner. And then by January, <laughs> sun, sunrise was later by four minutes, 727, well, yeah, right? The, on the 31st, the uh, sunrise was at 726, sunset at 455. Okay, well, these are just, you're just throwing numbers out it's there without gaining, any context. It's gaining it's, faster on the back end right. than it is on the front end. It's yes. losing on the front end. It's losing on the front end, but and it's losing it slower on the front end. That's right. Right. This right. is the plateau. Okay. Yes. So I wanted to do that. Also, I'm sure that all of you, at some point or another, get uh, in, in the middle of a Christmas card you get what you don't want somebody's entire life story nobody oh, really yeah. wants that here's what we my did. kids yeah. were successful again this year yeah. <laughs> except shut up my friend mark is roddy and, and we are friends an awfully long time i was his counselor at camp at one point and he went into the advertising How business. big was this camp and i knew well this was a different camp this was not kiuma this was tioga for the one year it's that i capital went there. c camp you know and and it was Mark Roddy went into the advertising business and did very well. He's funny. And I will read you something that will make you laugh out loud, I believe. Seasons, and his, his notes are great. I tried to call him, but I can't get a phone number for him. So if anybody's listening to the show, Roddy lives in Long Beach. If you can just tell Roddy I talked about him, okay? Seasons greetings. This year to commemorate our 47th Christmas together, Karen and I are exchanging personalized wristbands. Mine to her says love forever. Hers to me says, do not resuscitate. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Marcus Roddy is funny. This whole thing is funny. You'd have to know him, but that's actually funny. All right, Michael, the deer. 
The deer, yes. Talk oh. about the deer. So yesterday we leave to go pick up uh, the Bootsy from kindergarten. First day back, big day. We have all uh, all three, well, all the, the younger two are loaded up into the wagons. These are strollers to go pick them up. We get home. The boys are beginning to play with trains. It's, according to you, the sunset is, uh, you know, we're, we're well into darkness. Now we look outside as the sun is fading and we see a deer, mm. a deer lying still in our front yard mm. in the corner. Now, we live right off of, uh, down the street from a pretty is busy it, is road. Is it playing possum? Well, given our, the two of us have a history of something playing possum, Dad. Right. So, and now we've seen deer running through our backyard. And there was also a time over the last couple of years before we moved in where I don't think the previous owner was living in this house full time. So I think there had been more wildlife. And it's, uh, you know, compared to some of the other houses around here, it's not developed with a pool or, you know, incredibly large stone patios. Right. And I think just coming off this big road, there's there's sort of this uh, a thoroughfare of some of the animals. We've seen some foxes back there, but this one doesn't look like it's getting up. Mm. Uh, so Liz immediately calls up the animal control. Animal control. And within 30 minutes, we have uh, someone from the Humane Animal Alliance out there. But they can't take the deer away. I think they're there. It's a union job? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> Well, there's so, going to be an investigation. Of course. Right? We've got to put the tape down. Yeah, but he had, he so at this point, we're just, there. again, this is on the side of the house where the kids, their rooms, they might look outside. We're just trying to keep them uh, directed towards something else. Screen time. Screen don't time. look outside. You don't want them. nothing to see here. Right. You don't want them to go out and look at the deer. I don't That's want right. them to, and I want so them to investigate. In, yeah, go ahead. Right. Uh, so the worst part is like, well, we can move this off of your lawn. So the worst thing that they could do is they drag it across the public sidewalk and they put it on the what they would call like the tree box by the street. So now it looks like... So you like, don't own uh, that. Looks right. like you killed okay. the deer. Now it looks like we hit the deer yeah. with our car. Yes. Right. And we're just, we're mocking you by leaving it. And of, and of course, it's <laughs> the witching hour. eventually. Yeah. Anyone wants some stew meat? <laughs> exactly. Uh, everyone's outside with their dog. And I'm just, I'm putting the strollers away, shrugging. But I, do you see anything? I don't see anything. Nothing to right. see here. Okay. So, so, the, so the kids never saw it. The kids never saw it, though. Now, it was out there this morning. But you have confidence it will be picked up. Today. I think it'll be picked up today, and this is not the first time that we've had to have deer picked up from our house. Uh, last year, right before we moved in, we got a call from a neighbor behind a us. A deer killed itself. A deer jumped off of a ledge and was oh, stuck no. in between two oh. border fences. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So. It's a difficult time of year for deers. It is. They're trying to adjust to the sunrise and the <laughs> yeah. sunset. Something of a deer graveyard. So, so I do have this question. It's a dead deer. It didn't appear to be that big a deer. It's no. not a full-grown deer. But what I wonder is, if there was a butcher, could indeed a butcher take that deer and get something out of it because it's not alive anymore? Because I doubt animal control will do that. Animal control, I think, will just take it away and, and cremate it, I would assume. Mm -hmm. But I don't know this. Do you have I, any thoughts on that? I assume this happens... I mean, everywhere we're, you know, around the country, but particularly in this quarter with just the traffic right. and the way that we have all these deers coming out of Rock Creek Park, right. uh, you know, coming out of Great Falls over by yep. you. But given that yesterday had a high in the 60s, oh, it's so I don't think that is food safe. Yeah. An yeah. hour, not an hour, a week ago, the low was six, <laughs> and now it's over 60 degrees. Yeah. It's an unbelievable temperature change. We yeah. are happy to have Chris here because the news... The political news in this country, among other things, among the actually almost mind-blowing testimony of the January 6th committee, which I'm not going to go into, but it's like you read this, you go, oh my. I would recommend people, if you have a spare minute or two, read it's, some of that report. Oh, You're not going to read the whole thing. I get it. It's an but, oh my, some of this stuff. But let's get to Kevin McCarthy, who had been had been the Speaker of the House, a minority leader. Minority, minority leader. Minority leader, yes. but had been elected by his fellow Republicans to be minority leader. The assumption was, now that they had control of the House, very slim control of the House, that he would be elected to be major, uh, Speaker of the House. But on the far right, there is an insurrection. Obviously, well, I don't want to step on Chris's toes, but I would just say, obviously, Kevin McCarthy isn't a very good politician, okay? Because he can't bring order in his own community the way Tip O'Neill many years ago could do that. Where are we? We don't have a Speaker of the House. No. Don't we need that? Yes. For succession? Yeah, I mean, I'm keeping my name. I'm not currently employed. So, uh, you know. I'm, well, that's right. It doesn't have to be an elected. doesn't have to be oh, an elected. Absolutely no. not. Tony. 
I think we both could be Are in the mix. Are you serious? Yes. yes. You, do, you do not have to be a member of Congress. Yes. that It's never... Okay. It's one of those things where it's like, you don't have to be a member of Congress. At the same time, it's never not been a member of Congress. So could it's it very, be uh, Donald Trump? Absolutely. Yeah, you mean... You mean under the law, could it be Donald Trump? A hundred percent. Yes. So way back in. Okay, but when's the last time they went, you know, a full day or one vote without yes. walking out with like the well, so is, the, right? What does this tell you? He's not going to be the well, guy, it, is he? It, I think it's very unlikely he winds up as the guy. I think right. I think his choices at this point are you you bow out at some point today, or you just try to wear him down over to all of today and and maybe beyond today. The problem with that is now you're the speaker over this group that clearly a majority of the house doesn't want you. A well, ma- majority you, of the house because you're including Democrats. Yes, they don't that's want true. It but but twenty Republicans have on the that's first my- ballot, nineteen Republicans voted against him. On the second ballot, nineteen Republicans voted against him. On the third ballot, twenty Republicans voted Oof. against him. And then they were like. You know what? Let's adjourn. So it's going the wrong way. So it's going the wrong way. And if you can't get them to vote for you for speaker, which as Michael has pointed out, this is this is typically uh, a vote we don't even talk about because it's, you know, the Republicans vote for the Republican, Democrats vote for the Democrat and whoever's in the majority wins. I mean, that's just how it goes. It's been more than 100 years. since. Could be George Santos. He's qualified. He's what, in the mix. What do you think of the sweater? Well, he was the speaker before, wasn't he? That's on his resume. George George Santos looked like the least popular, least <laughs> happy person on earth yesterday. Again, it was, it was a hot there. day. Dude, it was why 65. Would you wear, he has a sweater jacket under You her. don't think it will be Kevin McCarthy. I just... Will somebody emerge that we're not even thinking about? I, I mean, define not thinking about. I mean, I think the most likely outcome is Steve Scalise, who's the second okay. in command, the guy from Louisiana. He was the guy who got shot the at the baseball The guy who was shot game. at the baseball practice, yes. Right. Um, I, I think that at some point, if the 20, maybe more people, but 20 right now, the 20 Republicans who won't vote for Kevin McCarthy, if they continue to hold out, and it's not clear there's anything more he can give them. He he has basically conceded everything he can. <laughs> he has to emasculated them. the job to there's a ridiculous just, degree. He's basically said like you can you can uh, uh, appeal to remove the speaker with five or less people. So I mean it's just it's, it's like the four of us and one other person and Chessie. We could get you know I mean he's he's basically given away the farm already. And he's a loser. And. This has happened to him from once. a political sense. He's, yeah, a, he's this, a loser, and this has happened to him once before. He went in uh, after John Boehner announced he was resigning uh, about a decade ago. He went in and as he the favorite, and conservatives rebelled, and he had to pull his name out. So, right. are there scenarios by which he winds up as the speaker? Sure. Again, he grinds them down over a series of votes. They get sick of it. They just but, say, let's do it. But, yeah. but. I think that's the less likely outcome. I think the more likely outcome is someone other than him winds up as the speaker. That, that, but certainly a Republican. Yes. I, I, I mean, again, are there scenarios where there's a, a sort of independent speaker, a moderate Republican or a moderate Democrat? Could I game that out for you where a coalition in the middle Sort of sets it up so right. that they they get the two hundred eighteen votes. Get the Democratic votes. Sure, sure. Again, Hakeem Jeffries, who's the Democratic leader, he he got. I, you know I, where he tr- went to college, don't you? I don't. Binghamton. But I, but I bet I say he Binghamton. Binghamton, he's, a proud he's son. He's one of us, That's right? That's right. He doesn't know Bing, me. I, I doubt deal. if I called his office, they'd even take my call. Oh but no, yeah, I disagree with that. Binghamton. <laughs> yeah. Um, he got two hundred and twelve votes. Well, I mean, he unified, got more votes than McCarthy. Well, so yeah, but, that's six votes away from. Now, he's not going to be the leader. He's not going to be the speaker. But it does suggest that, you know, strange things are afoot. Um, It's a bad day to be Kevin McCarthy. I just I don't I don't see how more people get on your side now. It's like there's already been three ballots. There's nothing more you can give these people. I don't see how it all of a sudden becomes like, oh, okay, now we're going to be for him when we've been against him all this time. Very weird. There's a lot of stuff out there, including, and, you know, and we will, I don't don't know the right way to even bring this up, but, I mean, from a sports standpoint, you have to, the NFL has to make a decision, even if this is the worst outcome with DeMar Hamlin. The NFL has to know how they are going forward with that Buffalo-Cincinnati game, are they going to resume it? Are they going to replay it? Are they going to 
arbitrarily order it X, tie, whatever they're going to do. Yeah. Because the playoffs are upon us. Now, you can... You can say you can stretch it out a little bit if you want, but I don't think you can reschedule the Super Bowl. You have some flexibility with the week between the last week of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. You can use that. But they, they're in a room right now figuring this out because you've got to be able to go. This is, this is the business they have chosen. We will take a break. We will talk about DeMar Hamlin when we return with Lenny Bernstein of The Washington Post. I'm Tony Kornheiser. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. You're listening. You're listening. To the Tony Kornheiser Show. Yesterday, we played a song by Brian Kenneth Swain, and we sort of sat here and went, whoa, what we got here? <laughs> so today, we're playing two more songs yes. by Brian Kenneth Swain. Um, this talent, and I know it because I don't have it. This is called 12 Miles South of Somewhere, Brian Kenneth Swain. Again, you can always listen to these songs in their entirety without us yapping at the end of the podcast. This plays in Lenny Bernstein, who's a medical writer, covers the medical industry and covers a bunch of things that have to do with medicine and diseases and pandemics for the Washington Post. He is not a doctor. I am a doctor, but not a medical doctor. But he's in the middle of this, and so we're turning to him. Let's just start with, I guess, the simplest question to set this up, which is what what happened here to DeMar Hamlin? What happened? Well, what happened was that he went into cardiac arrest uh, for some reason as a result of that blow from T. Higgins' shoulder or helmet to the middle of his chest. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, we don't really know too much because they're not saying, um, you know, I want to emphasize that that medical privacy is is really important and the family absolutely has the right to say as much as they want to or or as little as they want to but this injury occurring like this in such a public setting with millions and millions of people watching everybody wants to know what happened they were so very there are lots of th- go ahead yeah i was just going to say there's lots of theories and lots of clues but not much definitive they were very quick. The NFL is practiced in this. They understand how to do it. They get people out there in a hurry. They know the route to the emergency center. They did probably as speedy a job as anybody could have done. And they were very quick to get his heart restarted. Good sign, yes? Absolutely. Uh, of the two factors that all the experts talked to us about, one was how quickly they get the heart restarted almost certainly with one of those AEDs that shock the heart that you see on on medical TV shows all the time. The other one was how quick and how effective the CPR was. Um, There was a report last night on CNN that they had to resuscitate him a second time in the hospital. That would be a bad sign because it would mean that his heart had slipped back out of its normal Mm -hmm. rhythm once Mm -hmm. they got it started again. Is there... Any sort of a timeline here, a time limit. I mean, if I understand this correctly, and it's very possible I don't, that after a certain amount of hours, maybe 48 or 72 or whatever it is, they try to bring him out of this condition and see if he can sustain his own life by himself. To your knowledge, is there some sort of time limit on that where after which uh, there is an outcome that we don't want? Exactly as you say, if, if, if they don't see signs of him waking up on his own, his eyes moving, uh, remember, he's sedated in that hospital. Mm-hmm. But they don't see signs that, you know, he's coming around. They may try to rouse him. Um, to my knowledge, 
it's not a hard and firm deadline, but you don't want it to go on and on and on. The longer that he remains uh, unresponsive, sort of naturally unresponsive, uh, that's a worse sign. Is this... And it may very well be just a freak accident on my own experience, because this happened at my college at Binghamton University some years back. A lacrosse player was hit by the ball in a certain spot on his chest and went into cardiac arrest and died. You know, these things have happened. There are um, there was a, a hockey player, Chris Pronger, for the St. Louis Blues some years back. Got hit in the chest with a puck going probably 80, 90, 100 miles an hour. Was immediately unconscious. Cardiac event. Played two games later. So I don't know that there is a a, a definite prescription for how this is going to play out. But is this just, Lenny, a freak accident? Or might there be something in his past to indicate that he was prone to this? We don't know that yet because we haven't been told the results of any examination of his body did he did he have a structural defect in his heart did right. he have something somewhere uh that may have made him susceptible to this and nobody uh caught it but most likely it is a freak accident the thing you described with the lacrosse player at binghamton yeah. that's called commotio cordis and the electrical signals in the heart go through a certain cycle every beat and there's a very short window, less than a second, where you're extremely vulnerable if you're hitting the chest in the right spot in the chest right. during that small window of time. That's what almost certainly happened to the fellow at your, yeah. at your school. Boyardi, George um, Boyardi, yeah. He was, he was yeah. a lacrosse player. The game was at Binghamton, but he, I think he played for Cornell or Syracuse, I'm not sure. But right. yes, it's totally freak accident, right? Totally. Right, right. And in this case, it's most likely, according to everybody we've spoken to over the past two days, that something similar to that set off an arrhythmia, and we just don't know yet. They may know, but we have not heard yet. These people, professional athletes, um, they're in the top 1% of physical conditioned people in the entire universe, right? So, I mean, you wouldn't... This is not the same as Hank Gathers... It's it's no. it's not it's not the same as these other things where, I guess it was Owen Brown at Maryland who passed away in practice, and then they found out upon examination he had Marfan syndrome. There is, to my knowledge, nothing to indicate anything other than a freak accident, which is what you're saying, right? It is. Um, the first night there was some speculation. Well, maybe he had an aneurysm, and the hit burst the aneurysm, and he and he bled internally. Right, but. More and more, that's looking like it couldn't be possible because you wouldn't do lengthy CPR on a guy and bring him back if he had a burst aneurysm and was just bleeding internally. So, yes, his heart went out of rhythm. He suffered cardiac arrest is the most likely scenario. Um, But, you know, until they come out and tell you what they found, you have to entertain all kinds of possibilities. Yeah, and and I guess we should say uh, there was some... There were some people on television yesterday, and I don't want to use the word complaining, but pointing out that usually it said he's in critical condition but stable. And, you know, I, I mean, the hospital is under no obligation to report on this guy to satisfy the thirst of a whole bunch of news outlets, right? And, and this is how people in this condition are usually reported, just critical condition. They don't go further, do they? It varies from hospital to hospital. You'll, you'll get reports uh, that come out in different language. There is no obligation. It's up to the family. The hospital is working very closely with the family, mm-hmm. with the doctors, with the NFL, I presume, and they will tell us what they want to tell us when they want to tell us. Um, you know, that first 24 hours, think of what they must be doing in that ICU. You know, they're cooling his body they're checking his blood pressure which could be erratic maybe his heartbeat is erratic um maybe uh you know they're they're checking his respiration and want to make sure that the ventilator is working uh correctly then ventilation is a tricky science and it may change from hour to hour if they kept giving us updates you know it, it, it might change every few hours so i'm not uh surprised or upset 
that we're not getting more detail in the first 24 hours. Right. As this moves on later into the week, to the weekend, I expect we'll hear more. Um, is he in a comatose state that is artificially induced, or is he in whatever his natural state is, having had cardiac arrest? Uh, he is sedated. Uh, so uh, there are reason, different reasons to sedate somebody in this situation. First of all, passing that breathing tube down your throat into your lungs is extremely uncomfortable. And if you probably remember from COVID, they used to do that all the time. They'd sedate people when they put the tube in, mm-hmm. um, just because it's very difficult. The other reason, as I learned yesterday, is that the sedation kind of gives his brain a chance to rest, his system a little bit of a chance to rest. And while you have to be careful uh, about the side effects of the sedation itself, it's part. it could be part of the therapy here. Yeah. So I guess this is a, a, a difficult question, a totally speculative question, and you can duck it. But I did mention that Chris Pronger had a similar incident and played two games later. Last year, there was a Danish um, soccer player. Christian Eriksen. Who had, a, you know, had this on the field and came back this year and played in the World Cup. Amazing. Not, yeah, I don't want to get overly optimistic here, but I... I I wonder, is it on the table, the possibility that DeMar Hamlin can play football again? Or do you think that these doctors know where this is going? Um, I don't want to dodge your question, uh, but I don't have enough information to answer it. Yeah, that's fair. Even, Even when I asked experts yesterday all day long, can you overall say how you see this going? Uh, you know, the best doctors in this country said to me, you know, oof, I, I just don't know. We have to wait and see. Um, as you mentioned, uh, DeMar Hamlin has the blessing of youth and being in incredible physical condition. And there were medical personnel and medical equipment steps away from where he went down. That doesn't happen very often at all. So all those things are in his favor. Um, but he suffered a significant injury. If it's true that they had to restart his heart a second time, that's a problem. And it's just too early to tell, and we don't have enough information. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Because, I mean, anytime people like me are sometimes asked to go on television, and I know nothing. You know, and, and when you say, look, I know nothing, they go, oh, you must know something. No, I know nothing. So thank you, Lenny. Thank you very much. But- My pleasure, Tony. Take care. Lady Bernstein, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with Chuck Todd. It's time for Chuck Todd to pick games. Didn't have the greatest week last week. (laughs) Didn't have the greatest week. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Brian Kenneth Swain. Uh, this is a song of his. It's called Gone. Michael, if people like Brian Kenneth Swain want to send in their original music for us to play, how do they do go about it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. I mean, you hear me say this all the time. Wow, these guys are good. It must be so hard to make a living in music. It must be so hard. We've there's had, so many talented we've people. We've had hundreds of people yep. on this show in the past years that we think are great. Yeah. And also, any dope can do a podcast. Like as I am living proof of this. It must be frustrating for the all these talented people that some lesser talented people become much more famous too. Yes. When you go to like Los Angeles, and every waiter or busboy is an actor, I think you go to Nashville, and it's the same thing. Everyone's a musician there. Just fighting for your time. Imagine how hard that path is if you play the French horn. Yeah. Well, speaking of French horns, we have Chuck Todd. Did you ever think? Of becoming a professional French hornist? The last time I had this conversation, I got, like, beaten up by Little over <laughs> mocking band directors, which I was not doing. Uh, I did have 
visions of this, to be honest. And then um, I'll never forget, I was at this um, statewide, whatever, you know, youth symphony thing in high school, and here I thought I was the best. Um, and I sat next to a guy, I was like, oh, that's what the French horn's supposed to sound like? <laughs> and it was one of those moments I went, oh, I'm never going to, like, I've, it was just this realization that, oh, there's a whole nother level. There's a whole nother. I don't know how to, how to, but, but, you know, I'm sure, you know, people that are, that are into their craft, they know when somebody is just that much better. I just remember I was technically better than this guy. I, I could do all the things he couldn't do, but his just made a better sound. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to music, there's technical and then there's the gift. There's the gift. And I, you know, the gift is sometimes in how you move a bow on a violin and the gift is sometimes in your vocal cords, but there's this extra gift that you can't teach in music. And that's the difference between those that you listen to over and over and those you never hear of and wait tables in Nashville. Yeah. Well, but and I don't mean it. I don't mean it. It, it, it just, right. it's, and I was missing that gift. Well, it worked out pretty well because you got that yeah, gift I'll for what it. you do. So, you know, you I worked out well. That. All right. Chuck was two and four last week. Obviously the Buffalo Cincinnati game does not count. It was not, we don't know. <clears throat> we don't know. We don't know if that's going to be resumed, replayed, or just arbitrarily written away in some manner. We have no idea what's going to happen. Two and four, still above 500, though. 58, 57, and two, above 500, which is important. Let's start with this. Tennessee is at Jacksonville. Tennessee rested as many players as it could rest last week. I don't know that it helps at all. I mean, Jacksonville is a hot team right now. Tennessee's Tennessee is not, but Tennessee's getting six and a half, a divisional game, and Tennessee over the years has proven it knows how to win. Are you tempted to take the six and a half? I am really tempted. That's a lot of points to give Mike Vrabel. I mean, that's the thing. That's a lot of points. But he's starting Joshua Dobbs? Yes, again, yes. Right? Yes. I mean, in in a playoff, this is a playoff game. This is no longer, you know, whatever. That's right. Winner's in. This is a playoff game. I, you know, I, I don't like taking an underdog if I don't think they can win, and I don't think Josh Dobbs can win. I, I just don't. So, I'm going to go with with um, with Jacksonville. And I'll tell you this: the NFL is going to like it because if Jacksonville wins, I think it means it's Herbert Lawrence, right? You yes. Know, a couple of the young hair quarterbacks. Off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The hair off. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this is interesting in this regard. This tells you that they have no regard for Malik Willis. None. They, they've seen None. him. They've seen him, and they have no regard for him whatsoever. And I don't know who is going to win Coach of the Year in the NFL. I think the Philadelphia coach is certainly going to get a lot of votes. I think there are other people who will get uh, a whole bunch of votes as well. But this guy, Doug Peterson, at Jacksonville, and the guy mm-hmm. at Detroit, Dan Campbell, as crazy as he is, they're going to get a lot of votes, right? The, I think a guy that wins it, you know, should we be surprised that a guy that won a Super Bowl is good at this? I mean, well, I, you know, I mean, no, I don't, he, he's, right? he's like, really good, he, though. He's really good. Yeah. All right, we move he on. He certainly knows how to whisper, you know, it certainly tells us how bad Urban Meyer was. Yes. In the pros. Which I will, I will you know, Ur, Urban Meyer, he, he ought to be, he ought to be, he'd be a good member of the House Republican Conference. Anyway, go ahead. New York Jets at Miami, that is allegedly a pick'em game. Both teams have fallen on hard times. Uh, I don't know who the quarterback from Miami will be. It appears that Mike White will be the quarterback for the Jets because they don't want anything to do with Zach Wilson. These were two teams that five weeks ago you said were going to be in the playoffs. Certainly Miami and likely the Jets. It's a pick game in your hometown. Who you got? Correct me if I'm wrong, Tony. Yeah. There's a chance neither one of these teams that's makes right. the playoffs. That's right. That's right. They can, they can win and still not get in. Yes, that's right. Well, that's, that's the fitting outcome. Like, neither one of them should be in the class, the way they're playing now. I Not mean, now. White, White now. looks hurt. Yeah. Like, that looks like a guy who's got rib injuries. And, um, and you know, that takes a while. And, oof, I don't know how the Dolphins score points. <sighs> well, let's I kick them. Let's can, pick them. Can the Dolphins score? Would this be their sixth loss in a row or seventh? I don't know. Seven sounds way too many. I think it's six. It's eight. Were they eight and two? They were at one point, and they were they were eight and four for sure, Chuck. I don't yeah. know. They might have been eight and three, but it's. I think it's. I think six. they may have been eight and three. They, it, it's it's 
They lost three. I never. They had a road, three-game road trip, then they lost the Packers, and they lost last week. So there was a five. period of time where Tua, when he was out there starting and finishing mm-hmm. the game, was undefeated in at least seven and maybe eight games. Right, until that Packer game, I think. Yeah. It was the first one that he yeah. lost, that he finished, started yep. and finished. Yep. I'm going to go with defense when you just don't know what to do, and I'll take the Jets' defense over the Dolphins. Yeah, this feels like when in doubt, take the defense. Okay. I'll take Jets. Minnesota, the clown team of all time, a team that don't, as I said the other day, don't tell me that they came back against Indianapolis. Indianapolis is terrible. The two relatively good teams they played in the last X amount of weeks, the Cowboys and the Packers killed them, killed them. They are in a division game. They are on the road in Chicago, outdoor stadium. They are a six-point favorite. Who you got? Meaningless game, too, for them at this point, right? Yes. They don't. I don't think they have anything to play for seeding-wise. I don't understand the Bears in this respect. Justin Fields looks fantastic. Yeah, he does. He's a lot of fun to watch. And you're sitting there going, boy, they really moved the ball. And then you're like, how are they down by three scores? They're always down. I, I mean, yeah, I was, it was, they, they clearly have a terrible defense, too. Always down. I, that's a lot of points. I don't trust Minnesota. Um you know, there's, and, I, and I assume they're going to rest Alvin Cook and people like that. I, I, I guess I'll go with the Bears and the points. By the way, uh, baseball does what I'm about to say, and football should do it too on the last week. Everybody should start at the same time. Nobody should have mm-hmm. the advantage of looking to see what somebody else did, how it affects your playoff chances. Everyone should start at the same time. They do that in soccer too, last game of the season. They're, they can't, of, they can't do it in football because of, of the money. Because of the money in television, of, but they are trying. They they did a. They're they're trying with the schedule this week to do that. I think they? that's right because I think the Eagles, Giants, and WFT Dallas are both four twenty fives, which right. they wouldn't okay. normally be four twenty five. I the don't know if they're doing it everywhere. The only but. team they're screwing here, I think, are the Lions. Yeah, the Lions because, and Green Bay. Because the Lions, if Seattle wins, then the Lions have nothing to play for on Sunday night. They can't get in. Right. They can't get so, in. So. It, it's that's the only one where I question. But I isn't it clear that NBC said, "Don't give us the Titans Jaguars. We are not. <laughs> do not right. give us Titans Jaguars. Well, they, we'll do whatever it takes right. to avoid Titans Jaguars." Because they bring the nobody to the season. to the table. They bring nothing None. to the table. That, all right. None. Cle- this is my friend Steve Shale, who's a who's a give him a shout out. The only Jacksonville Jaguar fan I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Cleveland is at Pittsburgh. Every right-thinking American should be rooting against Cleveland uh, for just total mismanagement by their ownership and signing Deshaun Watson the way they did. Cleveland has nothing to play for. They had nothing to play for last week and beat Washington. They are plus three at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has something to play for. Mike Tomlin can once again, amazingly this year, not finish with a losing record. Will you take the three or will you take the home team? There's your coach of the year, by the way. Mike Tomlin could be. Yeah, he's really good. You know, I mean, it, that that's that's easy. That's uh, that's a nice vote uh, as well. Three's hard. That's about right. Pittsburgh doesn't beat anybody by that, right? No, and they have the, no all Baltimore and Pittsburgh games, right? They're mm-hmm. three, and you're like, okay, are they going to win by three or lose by three? Um, but how, how do you bet against this Tomlin streak? I, I mean. Of all years that I thought his streak of winning records was going to end, this was clearly the one that was going to happen. And the fact that he's sitting here in the last game of the season, I, I, I don't want to get in front of that train. Give me Tomlin. Okay. The New York Giants are at Philadelphia. Philadelphia needs to win. The Giants, I think, are locked into the playoffs and have, cannot move up or cannot move down, which would explain why it is a 14-point spread. That's a lot of points in a division game. It's a lot of points. Daniel Jones has been pretty good this year. He doesn't lose the ball like he used to. I assume that Philadelphia will win this game. 14, 14 has to be a little bit tempting to you, yes? Uh, a lot. I mean, we've gone through this. If I believe, I know Reginald does these statistics. Yeah, right. I don't, but, but I believe, ask Reginald. Take double digit spreads? I believe the underdog has. A, a huge winning record here. I mean, nobody covers double digits in the NFL very well. Um, uh, so, fourteen's too many. I, so, I, I don't know who the Giants are playing, but you know, it's still only a fifty-three man roster, right? So right. it's like, you know, they're they they're talent. They're not that talented. So who are they resting? I don't mean to be, you know, okay. So there's no Saquon, right? But other than that, who are you resting? I, 
I, I and do we know if Hertz uh, is playing or not? I don't know that we know that. We don't. I don't know that we know. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. This is a game that feels like it could be a blowout in the first half, and then if you told me that that the Giants backdoor, that's the other problem here. It's that backdoor cover, right? It's twenty-one to three. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> um, the backup quarterback comes in and gets a late touchdown, and it's twenty-one to ten. You're like, oh, there went the there went the cover, or a missed extra point, and they win by thirteen instead of fourteen. Anyway, all those scenarios. Give me the Giants. Okay. Detroit at Green Bay. Green Bay. It, there's no, you know, the word is remarkable. And Aaron Rodgers, Tom, well, here's what's happened in the last X amount of weeks. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have shown you why they're Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. They, they're, they're that good. Detroit's fun. They score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points. Um, who you got? Four and a half. I, the story always ends the same with Detroit, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know? They lose. I mean, Yeah. They lose. This is less about a bet on the Packers, um, who I just keep waiting. As a fan, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop here that somehow, you know, uh, and already there was one of the receivers pushed back at, like, the comments that, that, that uh, Rodgers was making, uh, Dobbs and stuff. I keep waiting for the locker room problems, but, but not there. And when you're winning, everybody's feeling good. It's four. Is it four? Four and, four and a half. half. Four and a half. Yeah. I wish it were. That's a. I wish it were. I could get a point discount, but still, I, I, I don't trust the the Lions here. Yeah, um, I agree. And with I, you know, one of your one of your loyal littles, Mister Sharkey, is a huge Lions fan, and he Nick Sharkey writes in. And I, I think he's your official data scientist or whatever statistician. We have a lot of official <laughs> things. And we're I happy to have them. He's a, I, I like to give him a shout out because he is he is a diehard Lions fan, and you know, I'm still sorry for Lions fans. I mean, well, they've only won one playoff game in 50 years. And I think the last time they won that playoff game, my friend Nick wasn't alive. Uh, It was it was in the year that uh, the bandwagon year of 1991. Yeah. Yeah. One of your great columns, your your great column triumphs where you rallied the city around. Yeah, that was you didn't like. Fun to do. Fun to do. All right. So you'll take Green Bay. All right. Dallas. Dallas at Washington. Washington. I mean, if you think Minnesota clown team, you have to think Washington. Two home games, two home games in a row, and and could not win either. Could not do it, and now has Wentz a quarterback good, that nobody wants. <laughs> At least they have a new mascot. Now. Oh, you Dallas, see that? Dallas yeah. has nothing to play for. Dallas is locked in. Dallas is going to play Tampa Bay. You know they have nothing to play for. Dallas minus five and a half. What do you What do you this do? Is, is this a Cooper Rush special? We're gonna get a little Cooper Rush. Could be. You know, uh, I, I couldn't name you the third running back on Dallas. Um. Yeah, I think I, it. It feels like that uh, if you couldn't come within two scores of Cleveland, I don't know how you're coming within a touchdown of Dallas. So. So you'll take Dallas. Uh, give me Dallas. All right, so, and and we're going to present this. We're going to present this option, and and because I, I don't, New England is plus seven and a half at Buffalo, but I I can't say that I'm sitting here on a Wednesday confident that that game will be played, depending mm-hmm. what happens with Demar Hamlin. I don't think anybody can be confident of that right now, um, but I'll you know I'll just put it out there for you as an option, and if you if it's played and you win it, we'll give it to you. We won't let you lose it. That's what we'll do. Would you take this? Well, what would you I'll, do? I'll, I'll use the same philosophy I used with Mississippi State in the bowl game. Mm-hmm. There was no way I was betting against Mississippi State. You know, they were going to rally around Mike Leach. That's right. They put the pirate man. By the way, I'm no Mississippi State fan, but that helmet that has the pirate flag yep. on the other side of it, like yep. if I were a, a Mississippi, I mean, that helmet, I would, I'd already have bought it. I already would be on my mantle. Uh, it's a pretty cool uh Thing. I, I, there's no way I'd bet against the Bills that they're playing this week. That is going to be a fired-up team. Yes, I agree. That is going to be – so, you know, it, it, it certainly wouldn't want to be on the other side of them after, after going through what they've been going through on, on, on emotions. That's, That's the optional sure. game for us. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Chuck. All right, brother. Chuck Todd, boys and girls. See you later. Some great shots at Kevin McCarthy made me very happy during that. Just offhand shots at Kevin McCarthy. And if we gave you just Chuck Todd, the host of Meet the Press, that would certainly be enough. 
but we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his Everybody iPad, sing along. smoking and, and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. zoo. Reginald's got the vice spy, too. Sometimes he throws poo, 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 poo. And he's had too much Johnny Walker blues. So what happened when you went to see him? He was two and one last week. He got back in his winning ways. He's 30, 20, and one. If you bet with him, and it's probably a little demeaning to bet with a monkey, but if you bet with him, you're a richer person yes. than you were at the beginning of the season. He's 30, 20, and one. Yes. Three and two, that's 600 percentage, right? 60% yeah. of the time. So when I went- 60% of the time, it works every time. It works every yeah. time. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I went down to the National Zoo to confer with him about all these matches. There was a big meeting going on with Reginald. A lot of political people there, a lot of Republicans, a few independents. They were trying to broker a deal to get him in to be the Speaker, Speaker of the of House. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Now, I couldn't get any political endorsements that he'd received, but there were three celebrity endorsements he got that I think will move the needle. Barbara Streisand. Yes. Ricky Henderson. <clears throat> excuse me. And Vaya Sekihima. There you go. So you I, go. I think by the end got of the day. everything covered there. Right. Punt yes. returner extraordinaire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that story as it develops. Now, the first match we gave him was Minnesota giving six at Chicago. And he showed me a wonderful little video of him in a synchronized swimming event with Bud Grant as his partner. By the way, they finished second. Very proud of them for that. That tells me he's gone. Uh, I think it was uh, it was Tommy Kramer and his partner. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, John Randall. I think they ended up yeah. winning. So that tells me he's got ties to the Minnesota area, and he'll take the Vikings, despite the fact that, as he you said... He always takes the Vikings. <laughs> he's got the Vikes by he two. Has ties, <laughs> he has ties to the, that team. Yeah. Yes, he, he does. Always takes he the and Bud Grant. Now, I don't agree with him on this next pick. But he was very adamant about this. We gave him the Philly game. Philly giving 14 against the Giants, which just seems outrageous. I said, of course he's going to take the Giants in this, right? He showed me a picture of him eating cheesesteaks with Greg Lazinski, Tug McGraw, and Harold Carmichael. That tells me he's got ties to Philly. That's a lot of points for the monkey. Michael, what are the best well, cheesesteaks well, in Philly? The, the famous ones are Pat's and Gino's across the street. Right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And, and Everyone the has their own spot, though. And so the question is always with, with or without, right? Whiz wit, yeah. Yes. Whiz wit. Or you could be John Kerry and ask for Swiss cheese. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? Yeah, that happened. Yes. You don't remember Swiss that? Cheese? <laughs> Swiss cheese? Do you have Swiss cheese there? No, Maybe a Gouda? <laughs> No, I didn't know. A raclette. Wow. Well, <laughs> yes, can I put some in great poupon I could put on that? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, now, the last match we gave him was, uh, was Dallas uh, giving five and a half at the Washington football team. Showed me a, a photograph of him in a very large barbecue with Drew Pearson, Billy Joe Dupree, and Everson Walls. That tells me he's got ties to the Dallas area. He's going to join Chuck in that against the Washington football team. Let me just say one other thing here for those of you keeping track for how our gamblers do. Jeff Ma was 4-2 and two last week. He's 46-36-1. and one. That's good. Yes. But James Carville. James Carville was 5-3 and three because his, his three-play special, Penn State, won that bowl game. He is 20-0 in his multiple specials. He's got six different ones, and he's 20-0. If you just bet with him when he told you what T-Boy Latchley was telling him, you'd be rich. You, it's 20 and 0 in terms of how much money he has bet because they're multiple games. He's 61, 35, and 3. Most years he has stopped being with us by now right, he's so, because by he's lost shot. so many games. <laughs> he stopped in November. This is an epic heater. Yes. Just unbelievable how good he has been. And we look forward to talking to him on Friday. I wonder if he's worried about Zion. Yeah, he is, he is worried now about Zion because that hammy seems to be keeping Zion out for multiple games, a couple and of weeks. nothing makes me smile more than a midweekend text from James as some game goes, finally goes, there it is again. Yeah, he just knows what he's doing. Yeah. All right, we'll take a break. Um, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show.
walking at. skill that is <laughs> I, will, I will kill to be able what to do that what a great skill oh, that is awesome that's fabulous fabulous you want to do the bethesda bagel ad for us yes bethesda bagels we love them you will as well just go to bethesdabagels.com for the location in the dc area nearest you then pop on in and you'll be thrilled that's about it for us today before we get to the mailbag let me just say i got no kick against modern jazz unless they try to play it too darn fast and change the beauty of a melody until it sounds just like a symphony that's why i go for that rock and roll music any old way you choose it's got a backbeat you can't lose it any old time you use it. It's got to be rock and roll music if you want to dance with me. There's a thousand versions of that. Yes. You know who does a pretty good version of that? The Beach Boys. Yes, they it's do. It's a pretty good version they of do. rock and roll music. And who was the guy that originally sang that? I assume it was Charles Berry. Yes, he was, he was pretty good Charles too. Charles F. Berry is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Thanks to our guest today, Chuck Todd, Lenny Bernstein. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Policy Genius and ButcherBox. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Hey, Chris, uh, when you were in Texas, did you get to go to that crazy gas station convenience store? Yes, I went like to Bucky's. Bucky's. Bucky's? I went to Bucky's. You ever been to Bucky's? No, don't know what it is. It's like a... It's like sheets on steroids, it's, right? It, they must have 50 pumps, and they sell everything in there. They sell, like crocheted stuff they sell hot dogs they sell it's amazing i bought some bucky's um uh, paraphernalia while i was there like uh gia bought a hat my wife bought a hat um Do they have the good ice down there they got like the pellet ice uh, they got like they got like 50 kinds of soda it's amazing <laughs> it's like everything you would think texas would be well, no, yeah I, it's I, a I, famous I it's a famous chain i know yes, those bucky's and they're famous mm. for their clean bathrooms and I can attest to the fact the bathrooms were immaculate. That's good to know. Not From Tony Beeson in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> the year 2022 saw the end of many things. The pandemic, several celebrities, and Tom Brady's right arm. Less well publicized with the anticlimactic end of an era as the very last Howard Johnson's restaurant quietly closed its doors in June this past year. I remember always being thrilled as a child when mom and dad would offer to go out and eat at Hojo's. I can still taste the grilled in-butter Frankfurt and the cookie custom baked with the logo which came with the ice cream that was served in a little metal dish. Yes. My dad rarely ate dessert, but upon occasion he would indulge in a scoop of coffee ice cream. Very fond memories. The last Howard Johnson's was in Lake George, New York. When they closed the doors, coffee ice cream was still on the menu. It's the greatest coffee ice cream I've ever had. Howard Johnson's coffee ice cream, by far. I did not know they were all closed. This is news to me, and it makes me sad. Yeah, isn't it? And there's a picture enclosed about this. They also went into the motel business mm-hmm. at one point in the 1960s or 70s. When people talk about ice cream, uh, like at Friendly's, you want to say, shut up, okay? <laughs> Stop. Hojo's. Yeah, Howard Johnson's has the best. Didn't Mad Men have like a loose plot line with Howard Johnson's? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. It would make, it's in the right yeah. time frame. From Jared Karbowski. Uh... It looks like you'll never be charged again at Burger King. They have officially closed their doors. This is not all Burger Kings, not like Howard Johnson. No, this is... This is the one on Connecticut, Connecticut Avenue. Avenue. Next to the... Down from the place, right? Yeah, next to the car wash. Um, and the Days in. That's always in the news. Yeah. <laughs> and and it said, you know... Cross these the are the people that ch- charge me $13.72 for something you can get, apparently, for four ninety nine <laughs> anywhere else in America at 4422 Connecticut Avenue permanently closed you would think says. if they were upselling everyone they'd be flush you know it's one that all the uh, old movie paraphernalia from len <laughs> rubin <laughs> it's len rubin again hope you had a great new year your cuma memories and reflections really got to me i feel exactly the same way about my summers at camp snow hill i know camp snow hill um blue and white were the colors i was there for 10 summers starting as a somewhat wary eight-year-old and finishing after my freshman year in college as a unit leader real hot shot job what kept me going each winter was the knowledge I would return to Snow Hill on July 1st each summer. Almost 70 years later, I can still remember every detail of the experience. I can't say that about much else. 
One little story from my memory bank. One summer sometime in the mid to late 50s, the New York Knicks, yes, were doing a barnstorming tour through the Poconos camp circuit. Did they make it to Kiuma? Absolutely. They did a clinic and then played a game against the camp team. I played and had the dubious job of guarding Jumpin' Johnny Green. He came to Kiuma as well, <laughs> as did Ron Sobey, as did a lot of people. My moment of glory is when I went up against him for a layup and I managed to actually hoist the ball high enough to make the shot. It's as if it happened yesterday. I know that the kids are still going to camp, but somehow I don't think it's anything like what we had during those wonderful years. Wait, wait, the actual New York Knicks came? Yes, four or five of them. Donnie Butcher came up. Yes, and they played against us. They ran a clinic and they played against the kids on the council team. It's amazing. Yeah, no, that actually happened. That's That's how Because they weren't selling out in those days and they wanted to create goodwill. I got beautiful notes from Peter Barron and Lonnie Unger about the things I said about Kiuma. Um, From Nick Coonan, who writes, I loved hearing you talk about Camp Kiuma. I've been a loyal little for my entire time as a site director at Pine Lake United Methodist Camp in Westfield, Wisconsin, some 17 years now. Your show has been in my ears while I've cleaned cabins, plowed snow, and prepared for another week of summer campers. Your words comparing camp to a place like a womb and a nest Ring true to me. The camp I serve at and live at is the same as the one I went to as a camper, same where I met my future wife, same that we have raised our kids at. It's been a tremendous gift to be here, creating a unique life that I hope to write about and share someday. Thanks for the reminder of the formative values of a camp experience in your life and so many others. It makes the long days all seem worth it when I keep that in mind. As a true camp request, can I nominate not my own camp, but your preserved memory of Camp Kiyuma as the official camp of the Tony Cornos show. <laughs> sure, and we would spell it right, believe me. Surely we would not have the version of you that we have today without its place in your life, and for that I am grateful. Thanks to you and all the guests on the show for being the almost daily soundtrack to my camp career. It's truly a highlight every time a new show appears on my podcast feed. That's, that's really quite nice. Um, the interesting thing about the new name, I, did I say this the other day about this being Independent Lake Camp? We called our camp Lake Independence, E-N-C-E. That was the lake, Independence. Why would you make it Independent Lake? I just, I guess, I didn't understand that. But somebody else's. Wish them all the luck in the world. I do. Bruce Law in Concord, North Carolina, over 25 years ago during the Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning era, Charlotte Hornets, my black lab Lincoln, ate an entire purple and teal Hornets blanket. Whoa. (laughs) For weeks, my wife and I would find pieces of that blanket scattered over the backyard like little deposits of purple and teal manna. Lincoln survived. Unfortunately, the Hornets did not, and ever since have played much like those little pieces. (laughs) From Dan Hammock in Biloxi, Mississippi. When I was in the Navy, I shared an apartment for six months with newlyweds Mike and Suzanne, who had a Dalmatian named Dexter. Dexter had a proclivity for eating non-food items around the house. When we left that apartment, there wasn't a shred of carpet left in any closet because it had been used to patch areas he had destroyed. Among my possessions would met their ends during our time together. Dexter liked to find and eat disposable razors. Not the plastic, oh but the blades. What? What? He also ate my TV's remote control. When Mike and Suzanne replaced it, Dexter chewed open the new one to eat the batteries. He also liked to chew on golf balls, which is the number one reason I refused to walk him. These were the wound golf balls, which had the rubber thread begin between the cover and the core. Dexter would chew the cover off, then start on the winding. Like Charlie Burt's story about Corky the cat, there would sometimes be a thread left hanging from Dexter's you-know-where after pooping on a walk, which would require Mike or Susan trying to step on the thread to get the you-know-what nope. pulled out of you-know-where. Nope. Dexter never seemed too bothered by any of these incidents, which is why there was never any attempt to correct his behavior. And he lived a full life with a belly full of who-knows-what. Wow. From Joey Vosters, about 12 years ago, I arrived home with a woman I am related to by marriage and our small masculine child. My wife went upstairs to feed our son, and I began to preheat the oven to bake a pre-made, bake-at-home pepperoni pizza we had picked up for dinner. Hmm. I had unwrapped the pizza from the plastic wrap when my wife... My wife called for something upstairs, and I dutifully went up to assist her. This is apparently when our then two-year-old dog sensed his moment. I came downstairs moments later to find an empty pizza tray inverted on the floor and my 45-pound mutt looking happy but avoiding eye contact. <laughs> they do that. Yeah. Yep. They, they avoid eye contact. They know they've done wrong. Not a speck of cheese, not a drop of sauce, <laughs> not a dollop of uncooked dough to be found on the floor. It was a near-perfect crime except for the next two days of havoc in his stomach and eventually regret from choosing pepperoni as his topping of choice. Apollo lived to be 14 years old. Not a day goes by that we don't think of a funny story like this or the time he ate a book or a bra or a square yard of carpet. You get the idea. What if it was the rising crust <laughs> it's, from it's, DiGiorno? It's really nice. It's, that's really nice. I wanted to do one more and this is pretty long from Casey Spinks in Waco, Texas. 
Hearing you discuss the nature of yabooing reminded me of my <laughs> freshman year in high school, which, like for most people, is something I prefer not to remember. Now, as background, I'm currently working on my PhD in theology. And before that, I studied philosophy. So you can imagine that as a high school student, I was a little insufferable, absent-minded with my head often in the clouds, and I wasn't good at paying attention to, well, day-to-day things. As Kierkegaard said. This was especially true the night of our homecoming dance when a group of friends and me went to a local restaurant to eat beforehand. I was so awkward I didn't have a date. One of our friend's parents reserved a room in the back. As it turns out, I simply forgot to pay for my meal. Mm. Since I was part of a larger group, I managed to leave without telling anyone. A few days later, after one of the moms called my parents to let them know this happened, they confronted me, thinking I used the money they gave me for the meal to buy drugs or cigarettes or alcohol or whatever nefarious things teenagers sneak off to buy. It was hard to tell them to know I I wasn't that cool. I just forgot to pay for my meal and had even lost the $30 they gave me. To this day, I'm not sure they believe me, though given my career choice, they might have an easier time believing me now. Fast forward one year to my sophomore year in Latin class. My Latin teacher, Mr. Collier, was a fiercely devout man who would give occasional sermons and life stories in class. He called them Collier Moments. Well, one day his topic was an anonymous local kid who went to a homecoming dance dinner and had the audacity to leave without paying. The valiant mom who organized the dinner had the grace to pay for that sinful teenager's meal. To this day, I have no idea if he knew that I was the sinful teenager. I remember wanting to raise my hand to tell him, no, sorry, I'm not that cool. I simply just forgot to pay for my meal. So, Mr. Collier and Mrs. Teague of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, if you're listening, please know that I was just an absent-minded kid who forgot to pay for supper one night, and it's been gnawing at my conscience all these years. P.S., though I was so much of a loser that I didn't have a date that year, I did meet a lovely woman years later who had the grace to marry me. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary on December 30th, so that has recently passed. The only bad news is that she drives a white Subaru Outback. Best Casey Spinks. If you're... If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Hey, Dad. Dad, honey. Tony. Dad. Dad, honey. Tony. Dad, honey. Dad, honey. Tony. Dad, honey. Listen up.
Somewhere with a thousand miles to go. 